Um, let me pray, and then we'll look into God's word this morning. God, we uh, I don't know, we just we sang a song earlier on where it talked about uh, let your fire fall, and that either seems like it's uh, kind of a make-believe statement or it's just way out there. But God, we do believe that your Holy Spirit can fall and your Holy Spirit can come among us in ways that we don't expect, but we, but we deeply hunger for. So whether it be uh, in our lives during the week or um, whenever, but we, we ask even right now that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes and ears up so we could all see and hear what you're wanting us to see and hear so we can be the kind of people you've designed us to be and that's full of the life and the glory that come from God. Yes, it's all in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, Jeopardy is the game for the day. So the category for the day, go to the next slide. The category for the day is glory. All right, that's the category. All right, first, I, I, I think the, the technical way to say this is the answer is, but I'm not going to always do that. First one, the answer is, this 1970s product was used to clean this in your home. It was called glory. What was it used for? Anybody who was alive in the 70s? All right, anybody? Rugs, carpets, all right? Glory, because they wanted your carpets to shine, right? Actually, I actually went on YouTube and found a commercial from the 1970s. I'm not going to show it, but it was a commercial about glory rug cleaner, all right? Nobody gets any points on that one. All right, next one. This 1989 movie was about this war. The movie was called Glory. It was about what war? Civil War. What is the Civil War, correctly? All right, all right, all right. All right, next one. This flower, it's hard to see, but it's what? What is a morning glory? Very good, thank you. They're different colors, too, but this is supposed to be purple. Next one. This locker room pep talk phrase meant to motivate athletes starts with the words no. No guts, no glory. Very good, Stephanie. You've been in locker room talks many times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought somebody might say no pain, no gain, but I was going to remind you the, the topic is glory. All right, a few more. This Christmas carol has the term Gloria endure 20 note changes in the chorus. What is angels we have heard on high? You know, Gloria. I actually counted all the times it changes, 20 times, all right? So, all right, next one. This phrase in the IU fight song, the phrase in the IU fight song that precedes, never daunted, we shall not falter. What is for the glory of old IU? All right. You're good at this. Last one. This one I don't think about. Maybe you might know it. The acronym for this social phenomena is BURGE. It's actually a real research phenomena, BURGE. All right. What is basking in reflected glory? All right. Here's how they, and, and, and Super Bowl day, all right. So if, if we had a Buccaneers fan or a Chiefs fan and they were to win tomorrow, that fan would be basking in reflected glory. When your team wins, you, you feel better about yourself, right? I mean, actually, this, the, the research, the, the original research, research on this was uh, one of the researchers, a guy from Purdue University. And what they did was they studied uh, different uh, college campuses. And if, if a football, they had like, it was like Ohio State, LSU, and if the football team won on Saturday, they found that more students wore 
team year on Monday to class. And more students talked about the team saying, we won. But if they lost, it's they lost. All right? So basking in reflective glory is when you've been around, or if you've, you know, if any of you have seen a movie star. It's like, yeah, I, I was in a, you know, this movie star went to my high school. There's something that you feel better about yourself because somebody else who had glory, you feel like it rubs off on you, right? So that's why we wear our jerseys for whatever team that's playing well. All right, but the term is called basking in reflected glory. There'll be a lot of that tomorrow either in Kansas City or in Tampa Bay. And they even said people tend to have better self-images after they've had some glory experience where they've been around an athlete, a movie star, a famous person. You know, you've heard people talk about, oh, this famous person was in an elevator the day before I was in the elevator. And somehow that makes me feel better about myself, right? Because I've been around glory, all right? But, but the whole, and, they, and this article actually said that this seems to be more prominent when somebody has a, when somebody feels like a, have, have a low self-image. They look for ways to feel better about themselves. And so if you have a low self-image, I'm sorry, IU basketball is not going to help you right now, right? So you can't burgeon that. There's actually another, op- I can't remember what the term is, but another, the opposite is how do you feel when your team fails. But, so burging, basking in reflective glory, we all, you know, we, we've done that, whether it's been around somebody famous or whatever. So, but the key word here is glory, all right? That's the word we've been... So it shows up cleaning products. It shows up in a movie title. It shows up in a song. Of course, a church song, Gloria. Shows up in a lot, shows up in a lot of fight songs. For the glory of old IU. All right, so what is, it? what is glory? What is it? What is it? How does the Bible talk about it? And what, what in the world difference does it make in my day-to-day life or your, or your day-to-day life, all right? So the next slide, I've been doing a series. Well, one of the things we've talked about is a lot is we want to be people who either who learn how to honor the Holy Spirit and learn how to pray like Jesus. So out of praying like Jesus, we've done, a, I don't know, five weeks or so on John 17, which was the longest recorded prayer of Jesus. And it was the prayer that he, go to the next slide, it was the prayer that he prayed, now you can't see, it's too bright in here, but the disciples around the table at the Last Supper. He had washed their feet. They had gone through the whole Passover meal. Judas had already left. And then Jesus starts to pray as they're all sitting around the table. So it's a very kind of casual environment in that sense. It wasn't like he didn't all of a sudden break out and then King James English. He was speaking Aramaic, but he was speaking in common terms that he raised his hands and he prayed. And all John 17, the whole thing is a prayer. And what I've said in the last few weeks is, probably a really good idea to pay attention to what he prayed for and what he said because it was the night he was he knew he was going to be betrayed hours later so what he was saying was intensely at the focal point of his heart for his disciples which also include us right so go to the next slide so we had he we've done phrases like he prayed protecting by the power of their name he prayed for our protection he prayed for us to be kept safe from the evil one he prayed that we'd be made holy. He prayed that God would teach us his truth. These are all things that you and I, we all need. I need all of those. I think I told you last week, I sent out a, list, a bunch of postcards to pastors in Bloomington, I know. And the front of the postcard said, keep them safe from the evil one. And I just told them, I was praying for each one of them, that God would keep them safe from the ways that Satan would want to deceive, discourage, or destroy them. So some of these phrases in John 17 are great ways to pray for yourself, your spouse, your kids, your family, your friends, or whatever. Because if Jesus 
prayed that way for his disciples in this last night. It must have been uh, really important to pray that way. So sometimes even just these kind of phrases are really helpful. I mean, I've prayed for my kids this last week. God, would you teach them your word? Would, they, would you help them understand the Bible and would it become fresh and new to them? So, so uh, we've been looking at those. So, but let's go back to this word glory. Go to the next one. So, so glory, you know, whether it's a rug cleaner, a fight song, a movie title, um, a social concept of burging. This word glory, here's kind of, it kind of carries these connotations. It's fame, it's majesty, it's radiance, it's splendor, it's power. So if somebody has glory, I mean, when we, if you sing in a fight song, for the glory of I, old IU, you're wanting IU to look like in the spotlight. You know, if, if, if somebody is, you know, if you're talking about glory, it's like we're trying to make it look really good. Radiant, bright, powerful. Um, so, but in the Bible, let's look at some of the ways you chose to keep it on this slide here. So in the Bible, because here's, this, it's, a, it's, a, it's a religious word, it's a churchy word, glory. I still remember I worked at a church once where they said our primary purpose is to, is to give glory to God. And I asked somebody, what does that mean? What do you mean to give, what is it, what? And we give glory to God. And they said, I don't know. We just give glory to God. I said, well, what does it mean? I don't know. And I was like, well, shouldn't we know what we're doing if we're giving God something, right? So in the Bible, if you, uh, just kind of do a quick s- summary. In the Old Testament, one time when Moses was interacting with God, he said, God, show me your glory. And God said, I, I can't show you face to face. I'll wait till you, I, I'm going to pass by and you can see my backside. So there was something intense about the glory of God that Moses wanted to see that God knew, Moses, you can't handle seeing my glory, all right? When they first built the tabernacle, when they were getting ready to travel through the wilderness, and the tabernacle was this portable tent, it said once they finished it and they dedicated it, it said the, a cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So you might have seen movies where they started, you know, Christian movies, they try to, imp- what does that look like? Was it fire or, you know, light or whatever? But something, something happened to the tabernacle where they knew the glory of God was there. This radiant, something unique, something supernatural. And then when they actually built the temple, this is in Second Chronicles, and Solomon dedicated the temple, said when Sol- Solomon finished praying his prayer of dedication, fire flashed down from heaven, burned up the, sac- offer- the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So this, there's Old Testament, it's all, I mean, you just did a word search on glory in the Old Testament. It's all over the place, the glory of it. So they dedicate the temple and the glory of God fills the temple. It's, it's, a, it's a weighty thing. It's a big thing. It's a heavy thing. It's a radiant thing. It's a famous thing. It's a glorious thing. Take all the fame of all the movie stars and athletes you've ever thought were famous, glorious, whatever, and put them into one thing and you still don't even have what God is this glory. But in the New Testament, then John talks about Jesus, and he says, we've seen him. We've seen his glory. John says that. John chapter 2, you might remember when Jesus turned the water into wine, his first miracle at this wedding. After the miracle was over, what John records is, so Jesus finally revealed his glory. So something about this miracle he just did was part of his glory, his majesty, his fame, his radiance, his, his otherness, all right? 
And then the last, last in terms of kind of scanning through, uh, Jesus one time went up on a mountain with Peter, James, and John, and he was, we call it transfigured, but all of a sudden Jesus started kind of glowing. The Bible actually said he became radiant. He's up there with Elijah and Moses, and, he's, and, and Peter, James, and John are like blown away because this is some kind of supernatural event happening. But it said that they all, Jesus was like radiant, and there was light. And again, we kind of think, this is kind of weird meter stuff, but John was there. John recorded as he saw it. And the Bible said they saw Jesus' glory as he's standing there. So there was something noticeable and tangible when, some, when the glory of God showed up in a place or in the situation in the New Testament when it showed up on Jesus. There was something noticeable that you and I would notice if there was glory on Jesus. We would, they noticed something. It was unique. So, I'm giving all that because now we're going to look at the prayer of John 17. This is how I kind of, I was reading through this, so maybe it was last week sometime, and I just noticed how often the word glory shows up in Jesus' prayer. So this term glory, is like, what does it mean? And again, so let's just go, let me just uh, read this. This is the start of it. Hey, so the, the Bible tells you, Jesus raised his hands, so around the table are, you know, Peter, James, John, Bartholomew, you know, all the other disciples except Judas. They just had a good meal. They've had a long conversation. Jesus has washed their feet. That blew them away. And then Jesus prays this way. Father, the hour has come. And again, I'm highlighting a word for that. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. So first thing he prays about is this exchange of glory. Something. All right. For you have given him authority over everyone so that he gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only one true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent. I brought glory to you. So God, Jesus is saying, I brought the spotlight on you, God. I showed people how good and glorious and powerful and kind and bright you really are. I, that's what my, Jesus knows his task, to give glory to God. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory I've shared before the world began. So, again, this, this, now it's like, okay, now I'm coming back to glory. I've shown you glory. It's, but if, 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 if you can think of it this way, I always think of glory as kind of this spotlight. If, if I'm glorifying God, then I'm making God look really as good as he really is by my behaviors, by how I act, how I live. How I live glorifies God. If I'm generous, kind, full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, I make God look really good because God's doing something in me, all right? But Jesus is kind of, he uses this word, and, and the disciples, they knew, they, they're, they're listening to this prayer, and they understood this whole concept of glory, but they knew it was some kind of this supernatural radiance. So all that to say, so far the glory has been all about God's glory, the glory in Jesus, this fire that comes down, this glow around Jesus on the mountain, this power he had to turn water into wine, and this glory about him, all right? At the end of the prayer in John 17, this is what Jesus says. I've given them the glory you gave me. I mean, freeze frame for a second. Peter, James, and John over here, they saw the glory of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw him, and he's saying, wait a minute, he's, he's giving that to us? He's giving us glory. 
this is not burging. We're not, he's, they're not reflecting. They're not like, oh, Jesus is our man. No, Jesus says, I'm, I'm, giving, I'm giving John my glory. I'm giving Stephanie Henderson my glory. God, I'm giving the glory to Stephanie that you gave me. And so I read this recently, and I thought, what does it, what does it mean that Jesus gave me glory? He gave Heather Kensick glory. He gave Mike Kalb glory. He gave us the glory that God gave him. If you look at this, it's almost like this fire exchange. You know, I was given, God, you gave me glory. I'm going to give it to John Kensick now. I'm going to get, but that, that you and I, as ordinary as we think we are, as ordinary as I think I am, we bear the glory of God in, our, in us. And some people might say, and I, oh, that means heaven after we die. That's not what Jesus was saying. He's not talking about that. He's talking about I gave them, I've given them the glory that you gave me. So this radiance, power, kind of transcendent reality and light, it's like, that's in me? Matt Nussbaum? I mean, that's in me? I mean, I, what does that mean? I mean, how, what does that mean if, I, if I'd lived, okay, this is, this is Matt Nussbaum, how I live my life now. I think of there's a lot of things good about what God's doing, but other things I'm still kind of stumbling and falling at times. But what if Matt Nussbaum lived his life in his marriage, in his parenting, with his money, with his neighbors? What if, he, what if I lived every moment of my life aware and fully alive of the glory of God living in me? How would that change how I live? And some might say, and some do say, no, no, but we're sinners. We're sinners saved by grace. So we're sinners... And so we say that, and sometimes we justify feeling self-condemnation and shame and, well, I'm just a sinner. No, no, no. So we, we don't, if I can say this way, we don't put ourselves out there because we have all kinds of reasons why we're self-critical and we haven't arrived yet. But do you think any of these disciples had arrived yet? None of them had. They all had reason for self-condemnation. They all had reason to think I'm not what I'm supposed to be. But <laughs> Jesus, I, I, I've given them the glory you gave them. And then he finishes the sentence this way. Let me finish the sentence. Go to the next one. So they may be one as we are one. So it seems like glory, this supernatural pouring into us of, of the radiance of God in our life, has something to do with, with us cultivating and navigating really healthy relationships with one another. So it's, glory is not just this, we don't just all of a sudden have this halo on our head and I have glory. It's, it's, no, I have now this capacity to be all I was meant to be relationally. Not only with God, but with one another. I have this capacity with my friends, with my wife, with my kids, with people I don't even like. I have this capacity to, to be supernaturally human with them. Which would include things like, if, let's just so this is, this is Matt Nussbaum who lives as if uh, he's more of a sinner than he is glorious. And here's Matt Nussbaum who lives like I do believe that Jesus has given me glory. I need to live that way. It's not about, it's not about should or feeling bad. It's just, no, I, if I, that's who I am, then maybe I need to be standing taller and being more bold. I think when, you, when I live with an understanding of the glory inside of me, that I'm more generous with my wife, my kids, my money. If I'm living with the glory of Jesus in me, then I'm more forgiving. People who, who hurt me or 
cross me or cut across in traffic in front of me, if I'm living with the glory of Jesus in me, I'm going to respond differently to them. If I'm living with the glory of Jesus in me, I'm going to be more courageous. I'm going to be more, I'm going to be more truthful. I'm going to be who I really am. I mean, I, the question I'll ask all of us is, do you think you have, do you think you are living life right now the way God created you to live? I think what I'll say, well, no, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not that person yet. But Jesus said he's given us the glory to live that way. So kind of in my mind, it's like sometimes we, we live like this, but if we understand we have the glory of God, it's like, no, we, we straighten our shoulders. We live with the reality of I can be a forgiving person. I can be generous. I can be, I can be kind. I can be courageous. I can be bold. I mean, Paul even says in Philippians that we shine like stars in the universe. So we're, our calling is to shine like stars in our relationships. Not like stars in an egotistical, I'm a star, but it's like, no, we, we radiate the wonder and the beauty and the kindness and the, and, the, and the goodness and the strength of Jesus in our lives. And to some degree, people ought to notice something different about us not simply, the difference shouldn't simply be, oh, they go to church. Oh, they don't swear. Oh, they don't smoke. That's not the difference that the glory inside of us makes. The glory of G that Jesus gave us makes us the kind of people that we're incredibly forgiving. We're irrationally generous. We're fearlessly bold in all of our relationships. But people are drawn to that because they, they see some, people are drawn to Jesus inside each one of us if we allow jesus to his glory to kind of live inside of us so so i just when i when i saw this phrase i thought Wait, jesus has given us something and i i i know i don't live in that full reality because i still kind of believe which i think we all have maybe had sometimes we believe these these theological lies well you're just a sinner yeah i am a sinner but the bible says when i became a christian jesus gave me a new heart and do I still struggle with sin in my flesh? I'm like, yeah, I do. But that doesn't mean my definition of who I am is not a sinner. And I'll, and I'll kind of finish with this. So one of my favorite authors from long ago is a guy named Blaise Pascal. If you're a mathematician, he's famous for Pascal's triangle and other things that some of you might cause great anxiety when I say the word math. I know that. But Pascal also was a Christian. And he wrote uh, one of his books. It was... It was in French, it was called Pensee. I didn't read it in French. I don't understand French. I read it in English. But it means my thoughts. But one of the things he said, which I thought was, it's so true, he said, we tend to think the gospel is this. We are born in misery, and Jesus raises us to dignity. And he said that's not actually correct. Because he said we are created in dignity and glory. Because God placed his image inside of us. We fell into misery because of sin, and then God raises us back up to this place of dignity and glory. So if, if, this, if your story of your life is, well, I was born as a miserable sinner, and I'm just trying to be, that, that's the wrong, that's not, the, that, that's not God's story in your life. God's story in your life is when he made Paul Henderson, he put the image of God inside of Paul Henderson. He knew exactly what a fully alive, fully awake, fully a free Paul Henderson would look like. And yes, Paul, like all of us, has fallen into, we're, we're, we're victims of sin in our own lives. But then the, the, 
Jesus is restoring us back to what we were and what God intended us to be. So the question somebody asked me once was, you know, what did God intend when he made me? What did he intend for me to be like? What did he, in, what did he intend? What did he see when he made John? What did he see John being? What did he see, you know, Heather Kensick being when God made her? And um, my prayer for me and my prayer for all of us is that, and the Bible uses this term, is that we, we, we would, the Holy Spirit would take the veils off of our faces so we could see more of what God made us to be. And we'd stop hiding who we are because we usually hide who we are to people, usually out of fear. I do that. I'm not fully who I am in certain situations because I don't want that person to think wrongly of me or think I'm this or that. So I try to navigate the situation. I try to, I'm going to be who I think they want me to be in this situation because it's going to be cleaner, all right? Instead of like, no, in this situation, I might need to be this person, kind, generous, bold, truthful, wise, kind, not a jerk, I'm not saying that. I might need to be what God wants me in the situation and not always cower to fit the situation. And I think some of you might know what I mean. We, we all have a tendency to cower to fit a situation when we know this is what, who we really are in that situation. Because Jesus said, I gave them glory. He told, he told them that right in his prayer. I gave them the glory. And the, and the Bible, even Paul talks about later on in some of his letters, how we've been given the glory of Jesus. And we are growing into the likeness of the glory of Jesus. So we're not reflecting. We're not like wearing our Jesus jerseys. We're not burging. We actually have the glory inside of us that Jesus put inside of us. And we are those people who shine like stars in the universe. That's what God wants us to be. Let me pray. So God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray uh, for each one of us, myself included. And I pray that we would stop believing the lie um, that our flaws define who we are. We'd stop believing the lie that our weaknesses and our fears uh, are the primary parts of our story. But Jesus, would you um, give us the courage, but also the, the grace of your Holy Spirit inside of our souls to be who you made us to be, so in our souls would be stand up straight, bold, kind, and strong? Would we back our shoulders up? And would we be who you made us to be? We want to have the boldness that Jesus had. We want to have the kindness that he has. We want to have the strength that he has, the forgiveness and generosity. Whether that's in our families, with our friends, with our coworkers, with people we meet randomly on the street, we want to be exactly who you made us to be with your image, God, planted in the center of our souls. That's who we want to be. So would you help us to, to uh, put aside the lies that were defined by our sins and our flaws? And would you help us then put on, like the Bible says, take off one piece of clothing so we can put on another that says, no, you are daughters and sons of the Most High God, and you bear his image inside of you, and you have his Holy Spirit inside of us, and we can be the kind of people that God made us to be. Transforming our own families and all of our relationships, but ultimately shining brightly so others see uh, the Spirit of Jesus inside of us. We want people to be drawn to Jesus through us. May I ask this all, Jesus, in your name. Amen.
So uh, we finish every Sunday with um, communion, and you have your self-serve communion uh, packets there with the wafers on top. So when Jesus, this was the night he was betrayed, John 17 was that night, and he, and he told them, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, remember me. Um, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, remember me. And he wasn't saying, all right, hear me on this, he was not saying, remember how bad you are and how this cross thing that I have to go through and be bloodied, that it's all your fault. That's not what he was saying. He was saying, well, remember what I came to do for you through all of this. And I, I'm going to tell you right now, as you take it, I want you to remember that what, what Jesus said is that I gave them the glory that you gave me, Father. So remember that as you take this into your body, go ahead and eat the wafer and drink the cup. As you take this into you, you are reminding yourself that you bear the glory in its fullness that God gave uh, to Jesus, that Jesus then in turn gives to us. So let me pray. Jesus, thank you for this, your body and your blood. Thank you for the reminders of, of who we are, that our identity is not, like I said, our flaws, but our identity is that you put glory inside of us. You put strength and splendor and valor and courage and kindness inside of us. So as we take this inside of us, would it be our way to also welcome you to even do more inside of us to give that glory greater life and greater space inside of our souls so we can be who you designed us to be. And we ask this on your name, Jesus. Amen.